Breakthrough News. It's 5 p.m. You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is the Punch Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. Yes, that is right. We are back with the punch out here, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as we always are, Monday through Friday. This is Thursday, January 14th, 2021. Happy to be with you as we always are. Plenty for you here on the show today. The United States promoting famine in Yemen. Well, not much changed there. Uh, the state of Ohio ending juvenile life without parole sentences. So some good news there. Uh, well, some mixed news, but some good news looking forward. I'll say that much at least. But we want to start first with some just unbelievable abuse. You could say secret abuse of so-called pandemic aid by Secretary of the Treasury. Just about done, Secretary of the Treasury, Steve Mnuchin. <laughs> All right, well, we've been reporting to you here on The Punch-Out quite a bit regarding how the so-called pandemic aid appropriated in the CARES Act has not exactly been used as advertised. Now, you may remember Congress shelled out $454 billion that was supposed to be the backstop for the various lending programs, mainly benefiting Wall Street, that were being run by the Federal Reserve. Now, as we've told you in the past, one of the things that we have learned started starting a few months ago is that the vast majority of that money never even made it to the Federal Reserve. Only $114 billion was ever handed over to them. So there was $340 odd billion essentially unaccounted for. So as we asked about this story, uh, I think it was about four weeks ago, is, well, what on earth happened with all that money? What did they do with it? Well, we now have a better sense of what happened based on some more reporting here from the watchdog group Wall Street on Parade. Now, what we can say off the bat is that it is 100% clear that Mnuchin has constructed a massive bait and switch to hide what he is doing, which is basically taking the money for himself to do whatever he wants with. And that, the fact that he has created this sort of fake smokescreen around it should in and of itself tell you something about it. Uh, the smokescreen, of course, is that Mnuchin has repeatedly suggested that he gave all the money to the Fed and they just didn't really do that much with it. The media has dutifully reported that that is the case. But from the beginning, the Secretary of the Treasury had something else in mind, which as I said, was to take the money for his sole discretionary use. Now, the CARES Act stipulated that the money should go to the Fed in order to fund all these programs that were allegedly supposed to be helping Main Street. Now, if we talked about many times on the show before, that in and of itself was dubious. So I don't want to act like if he'd done what he was supposed to do, Mnuchin, that is, give the money to the Fed, it would have made a huge difference. But the fact that most of this isn't actually, quote unquote, trickling down is everything you need to know about why the economy seems so terrible, despite you hear that trillions of dollars have been spent. Now, that being said, Mnuchin deposited the money into the Exchange Stabilization Fund. Bet you never heard of that. Well, that is essentially a slush fund for the Treasury Secretary. It's ostensibly uh, a fund for, well, it was established during the Depression, I should say. It's, it's ostensibly a fund to help support the dollar in various international trading markets, but it has been used for a wide range of various things before, some of them quite nefarious, like bailing out Lehman, Brother invest Lehman Brothers investors in 2008. 
Now, the rules of the fund, <laughs> this is wild, state that all the decisions are, quote, final and may not be reviewed by another officer or employee of the government. And so that means the Treasury Secretary, everything they do, no one else can say they can't do it. And it also goes on to stipulate that the scope of what they can do is to deal in gold, foreign exchange, and other instruments of credit and securities the secretary considers necessary. So in other words, they can basically just give out money to anyone uh, for any reason, you know, under the guise of debt, buying stock, whatever it may be. They don't really have to say that much. To, they don't have to say anything to the public. In fact, uh, they can't, they don't have to answer in any way, shape or form to anyone else into the government. And just to top it all off, even though they do have to report to it to Congress, uh, Congress gets these financial statements, but they are secret. So no one else actually will ever know outside of Congress what they're doing. So I know that's a bit Byzantine, but the exchange stabilization fund is a classic slush fund. You get the money, it's a black box. It goes out. No one knows what happens. So despite the fact that nothing in the CARES Act at all stipulated that he should do this, Mnuchin took the bulk of the money and just dropped it in there to spend however he wants. Now, of course, we don't have the detailed statements because we aren't in Congress and we don't get that secret information, but we do have some general information from the general statement that they released last September. And among other things, they used $11 billion to buy U.S. government securities. That's basically, you know, things on the stock market and other various gambling markets, as they really should be called. They used $5 billion to buy EU-dominated or Euro-dominated securities, so investing in European companies. And $481 billion was described as the fund balance with the treasury. So basically what this really means is that they took this CARES Act money that was supposed to be for struggling people and they gave it out in the tens of billions of dollars directly to Wall Street banks and most likely to large corporations directly by buying their debt. We don't know to exactly who, but if you really believe that any of this went to some struggling Main Street businesses that just weren't going to make it without a government loan, well, I got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. And on top of all that, the large sum listed as a fund balance almost certainly means a lot of the money that, again, was supposed to help the average everyday people, the 85 million people in this country who can't pay their bills week to week right now, that billions of, that, of, of dollars of that money was just never even spent, never even spent despite this massive social crisis. So the upshot of the whole thing is pretty straightforward. Congress gave out nearly $500 billion that they sold to the nation, that they sold to you and me, that it was going to go help people, it was going to save us in the midst of this massive economic crisis. But instead, Steve Mnuchin took the money and ran with it, put it in a secret bank account, and started giving it away to big banks and corporations. <laughs> Ohio. Ohio has become the 24th state to end juvenile life without parole sentences this month. This past Saturday, Governor Mike DeWine signed into law Senate Bill 256, which will end life without parole sentences going forward, curtail the use of sentences that basically add up to the same thing, and it's retroactive, so it'll expand access to parole hearings to those who were previously sentenced, I should say, to life without parole as juveniles. Now, the last part is actually still quite onerous, unfortunately, as the news website, the appeal details, quote, under the new law, people who committed a crime as a minor will be eligible for parole after no more than 18 years of incarceration if the crime did not involve a homicide or after no more than 25 to 30 years if it did, end quote. 
So, yeah, it's not exactly perfect, but Ohio's Legislative Services Commission estimates that there will be 50 to 60 people who will immediately become eligible for parole when SB 256 goes into effect. The bill also has some carve-outs for multiple homicides and a few other charges, so there are some people who will not be able to have their juvenile life without parole sentences be revisited. Ultimately, it leaves quite a bit up to the Parole Commission uh, for those who are currently in prison. And Ohio's Parole Commission, I have to say, not exactly known for leniency and is also noted for a major lack of transparency and how they make any of their decisions. So the biggest impact of the bill is undoubtedly going to be on future defendants, which is uh, very unfortunate for many people who were obviously wronged by these long sentences, but is a big step forward for a lot of young people who undoubtedly uh, will and unfortunately be subject to this brutal criminal justice system that this tool of prosecutors to destroy people's lives and communities has been taken away. It also comes at the same time this month that the Montana Supreme Court ruled that a 17-year-old who killed three people and was sentenced to life without parole should be resentenced. And in a concurring opinion to the overall opinion for just a resentencing for this one young person, the Chief Justice of the Montana Supreme Court, Montana Supreme Court, this is not some super liberal state, said that that all he would like to see all juvenile life without parole sentences in the state ended uh, and to, to move forward there. So unclear what will happen, but certainly stipulates that there could be some movement. In Illinois, New Mexico, and Maryland, they're considering similar changes at the legislative level. Advocates in all three states say the Ohio decision makes them hopeful that they, in fact, can succeed there as well. We know without a doubt, long sentences do nothing as it concerns a so-called deterrent effect on crime. That is a complete fake thing that is said, but not true. And on top of just the technical reality that the cruelty of a no second chance policy really does nothing to improve anything for anyone. It seems thankfully, at least in this case, more and more people are coming to see the need for a change. And as part of their last second destruction spree here in the Trump administration. They just seem to be trying to wreck the place on the way out. They have decided to tag Yemen's ruling Houthi party with the terrorist designation. Uh, yes, they're now a terrorist organization, and that move has caused widespread outrage because of its likely humanitarian impact. The top humanitarian aid official at the United Nations stated that, quote, large-scale famine on a scale that we have not seen for nearly 40 years, end quote, is going to be the effect of this decision. And he went on to say that, quote, already about 50,000 people are essentially starving to death in what is essentially a small famine. Another 5 million are just one step behind them. And ultimately, that's the point. The Houthis who have resisted for years now a Saudi and UAE-backed assault invasion of their country. It's devastated the country, turned it into the world's largest humanitarian disaster. Those Houthis, that group, they have limited ties with Iran. So the United States and the United Kingdom have done everything they can do to help the Saudis and the UAE government carry out the wars as a part of their maximum pressure uh, campaign against Iran. Now, despite the Saudis, and that's all despite, I should say, not, not despite the Saudis as if they don't care. This is knowingly just, you know, just they don't care that this is happening, that the Saudis are bombing schools, hospitals, and fields to deliberately drive up the suffering in the country to try to force the Houthis to uh, withdraw. Obviously, the goal of the U.S. is to send a message here to say that anyone who works with Iran in any way can and will be destroyed, strangled, cut off from the world, whatever they can come up with, including inducing a famine. And here on their way out, they're definitely showing 
uh, that they are willing to go to extreme, extreme lengths here. I mean, millions of people could starve because of this. So they already help provide the intelligence that guides the bombs that are killing people. They provide the bombs themselves. They're providing the in-flight refueling. That's the U.S. and the U.K. I'm talking about here. And now they're using diplomatic tools to increase the pain of ordinary Yemenis to try to force their leaders to come to heel, denounce Iran, and submit to Saudi control. If nothing else, it's just totally, totally morally depraved on the part of U.S. imperialists. And that's going to do it for us here on The Punch Out today. Don't forget tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at BT Newsroom across all your social media platforms and on YouTube. We will be live with the Freedom Side. So I'll be back with you at 8 as I'm here with you at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on The Punch Out Monday through Friday, 8 p.m. tonight, Thursday. Check us out at BT Newsroom.